Let's get the songbook. Let's stand together and let's turn to 223 and sing 223. Two hundred twenty three. Draw me near. I gotta make more noise than this too quiet in there.
take some time, but we just need to pray for those nerves to regenerate. Uh, I know that's got to be hard feeling, not be able to feel your foot. Uh, and that's going to, I mean, she can't walk until she can feel her foot. So pray for her. Pray that God gives her a restoration of those nerves and that she, can, she heals. I know at her age, it's going to be tough trying to heal. So just let's just pray that God just does a special healing work in her. Please remember my Aunt Mary Ruth still waiting at death's door. I pray for her that God just gives her an easy passage in the glory. Um, how's Miss Eva? Doing pretty good. Let's remember uh, Donnie Smith's family. Yeah, they, they, uh, that would be his uncle, right? Yeah, his uncle by marriage. They buried him yesterday. I believe it was yesterday when they did the funeral. But anyway, y'all pray for them. I know they're there in Sherman today. They'll be driving back. Y'all pray for them a safe trip back home. Pray for uh, God to use them in whatever way he can amongst the family over there. Uh, Diane, what's the situation with her? Up Scott Dawson in prayer. He was saying last night that he's might have to go to the hospital. I noticed last Sunday he, he kind of looked a little bit of yellow tinge to him. He said his liver was acting up real bad this week. So uh, I, I heard y'all was talking about it. I don't know who was talking about it. Somebody was talking about it. Y'all were talking about it when I came in. Yeah. He, did he, did he, is he going today or is he waiting until tomorrow? Okay. Uh, Scott, yeah, Byron's son, Scott. Yeah, well, the ones that had to go take. Okay. Well, Stephen, Stephen's son Stephen sits over there, but it's Yeah, Scott, Scott's got the gray go Okay, okay, yeah. Right. Yes. Yes, remember Charlotte and Claire? Yes, she's hurt her foot. I'm trying to remember how, was she stepping on her dog, hold a dog up or something, twisted her foot or something. Y'all pray for her. I know she's, she's, yeah, trying to get around with a bad foot this morning. Yeah, y'all pray for her. Anybody else that we need to marry? All right, we'll just lift her up in prayer. Let God heal her back. Your dad also. Y'all look, y'all look my wife up, too. She's, she's going to a doctor. She's having, I don't know, she's got all kinds of stuff that ain't out of whack, stuff that's out of whack and things, uh, levels and stuff. So pray for her. She just, she's got that autoimmune disease, and it's really giving her a hard time this morning. She's got a great face on, but she ain't feeling too good. So pray for her. And, uh, yes, yes, just to fill us up in prayer. All right. Anybody else? Anything else for the Lord? Okay. Put them up in prayer too. 
Robert, lead us in prayer this morning. Amen. You can be seated. Turn to 241. 241. Grace greater than our sin. Praise, 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 
two pages over, 
Resurrection 
Lord, I love you so much this morning. I'm so thankful, Lord, that you are my Father, that you are my God, that you're so faithful. That, Lord, even though we fail you, you never fail us. Lord God, as we come this morning to the time of preaching, Lord, as we step off into a new book, Father, I need you like I've always needed you, like I, like I will always need you this morning. Please give me your power. Holy Spirit of God, please fill me. Please, Lord, forgive anything that would hinder, cleanse me, and fill me, every fiber of my being with the Holy Spirit of God. Give me unction from on high to preach. Lord, I realize this is your business. This is your time. It's not mine. Lord, I pray that you'll help me to honor you and, and magnify Christ and lift up him above all things. Lord, please meet with us now. Touch every heart. Speak to everyone who's listening. Lord, those who are here and those who are listening in, I pray, Lord, your power, your blessing go forth, Lord, over the airwaves to the people that need it, Lord, and, and touch us here. We'll give you praise and glory ahead of time for what you'll do. Your word won't return to you, boy, so we're thankful for that, and we rejoice in it. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people say, amen. All right. Like I said, we're going to, this is kind of informational in the beginning, and, and we're going to, I just want to kind of set the tone for what we're doing. Let's look at the city of Corinth for a minute, and I don't have a map out here we can look at it. It's over there, and I'm going to walk over and point at it, but you don't look in the back of your Bible, I'm sure you got a map. But Corinth, of course, is over in, in well, I'll just walk over there. I don't even got the map up. But anyway, it's, it's, not, it's, it's over there in near Macedonia. It's over in that region. It's not too far away from all the other cities that Paul went to. It's the region there where he went to and, and established most of the churches. But it's a major port city. Very, very important city to that region. It's the economic center of that region. So... A lot of business, a lot of money, a lot of movers and shakers. You can picture New York, Chicago, uh, Miami, uh, you know, San Francisco, Los Angeles, big city, lots of people from all over. It's a, it's a hub right in the middle of the Mediterranean there. You've got people from all walks of life, every stripe, every color. Uh, Ro- uh, Romans are very prevalent during that time, of course, and the Greeks are also very prevalent. So you've got you've got a lot of, again, People from every walk of life, every color, every nationality, walking up and down those streets, doing business. But again, Jesus had not been there. So it's pagan. The whole world is pagan. Entirely consumed with pagan, paganism. God is, God's name is not spoken there. Uh, there are many God's names spoken there, but God's, our God's name is not spoken there. Uh, there are many, many, many pagan temples built. In Corinth, both to Greek and to Roman gods, they had all had their big uh, their big temples there again because it's a big economic center, so money, lots of money flowing, so lots of big buildings. Like you go to a big city, you see the skyscrapers. Well, they didn't have skyscrapers; they had they built big things out of out of marble. They built big temples, and one of those temples was was their prized possession, which was uh, which was the Temple of Aphrodite. Aphrodite, I ain't sure how you say it, but it's one of them. But uh, Aphrodite, and she is the, known as the goddess of love. She is also the goddess of sex. And she and her, her temple was there, and it is famous for being the temple that was took care of by a thousand prophets. And they served in the temple. 
and that's the way that the men would worship was to be to go into the prostitutes, and that is ungodly and wicked as hell. But that's that's the way they worship. They looked at that as uh, as asking for a good harvest, asking for a good uh, bounty of things. They looked at sex, of course, as creating life. So they looked at that as a way to uh, increase their fields, increase their uh, their luck, or whatever have you. So that's the way that that's the way that they worship. So that's the environment Paul went into. That's why it's important that you understand that. I'm not telling you that to make you skin crawl. I'm telling you that so you understand. That's that's the environment that this missionary went into, and people were accustomed to that. People were used to that life, and so it wasn't unusual to I'm sure the women thought, well, that's just the way it is. That's the way we were raised. So they knew no different. Uh, but Paul lived there in that city among them for about a year and a half. And while he was there, he founded a church. I don't know if i got time to cover all seven more cover this morning. In Acts chapter 18, I was going to read that. I don't know that I have time to read Acts chapter 18. But in Acts chapter 18, it tells the story of Paul being there in Corinth. And uh, well, I'm gonna read the first. I'm gonna read. I'll read the first eleven verses of chapter eighteen. It says, "And after these things, Paul departed from Athens. So he was there in Athens at Areopagus or whatever you call it. And he came to Corinth, and they found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, having come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. So that, remember those names, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them." And because he was of the same craft, they were both tent makers, and it says that, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers, and he raised them in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and preached every Sabbath. Every Saturday he goes into the Jews and he tries to convince them of Christ. And when Silas and Timothy were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves, or they argued with him, or disputed with him, and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said, Your blood be upon you, upon your own heads, I'm clean. And from henceforth, I'm one of the Gentiles. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. So he walked out of the synagogue, slammed the door, and got next door. Got <laughs> next door's house. I think it's pretty funny. But anyway, uh, and Crispus, a chief ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord and all his house, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Then spake the Lord to Paul in a night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. So see, we have that there. So... He did that for a year and a half, and then he moved on. He moved on to other places, other cities, witnessing, starting churches, and uh, he started getting reports in that things were not good in Corinth. He heard a lot of things about a lot of troubles, a lot of problems. And so he sat down and wrote them this letter. And this letter, that you wanted to say, what is this letter all about? Well, it's about corruption. That's what the letter of 1 Corinthians is about. It's about correcting a church that was in terrible error, that had many problems. All right? We're going to look. I've got to break this chart this morning. We kind of, we kind of break, this, break this book, this, this letter down into divisions. 
that ain't no that's 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 a lie because the scriptures say right here that we are called to be slaves. Who called us? God called us. How did He call us? He wooed us. He drew us by His Spirit. He, he, he came to us and He showed us our lost condition and He showed us that Jesus was the only way to heaven. He wooed us to Calvary. He called us to be saints. We've been. He did it from the foundation of the world. We looked at that several weeks ago. That, that listen again. I'm not a hyper Calvinist, but I can tell you this: I believe in the sovereignty of God. That God definitely knew I was going to be saved for the foundation of the world. He knew you were too. Amen. Because He's God and He's omniscient. He knows everything. But so we're called. We're called. So you think well, I'm not called. Well, you're called to be saints. You're not called to do anything else. You're called to be a saint of God. Amen. And, and verse 9, look at verse 9 in our scripture. I know I'm getting ahead of us, but but look what it says. It says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. We're called into a fellowship. Amen. Listen, and you're my sister. Amen. You're my sister. My mama is my sister. Isn't that weird? She's my sister and my mama. Isn't that all right? But still. He's my sister. Listen, Robert, Richard, y'all my brothers. Praise God. Now you're my sister. Now you're my sister. Amen. My wife is my sister. Isn't that weird? That's odd, isn't it? I married my sister. I'm from Arkansas. Don't tell nobody that. Amen. Nobody might talk about me. But anyway, uh, that sounds like a country song. But anyway, uh, I got to think and get back on track. But yeah, we're called into the fellowship. Of his son Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians four seven, and we of course we studied that months ago, but it says God has not called us into uncleanness, but unto holiness. So God has called us unto holiness. Give us choice we can make the stuff we want. I think I want to be clean. I think I want to live a good life. It's not just a choice we make. God has called us. Ah, that's my I wind up in prison. They don't want to see that child wind up dead. They don't want to see that child wind up on the street. They want that child to be prosperous. They want that child to be successful, to make their life count. Amen. And God has, a, God has a purpose for us. He wants us to be representations of his son, Jesus Christ, to a lost and dying world. So he is, in order for us to do that, he's called us on the Lord. We can't just live our life however we want to and reflect Jesus. It doesn't work that way. Amen. We're the frame that holds the glory of God. Realize that. You want to put a beautiful picture on the wall? You want to go down to Dollar General and put a put a two dollar frame on it? No, you'd find something really pretty to put on so it it accentuates what's in it. That's the way our lives are to accentuate what's in us. Amen. The only way to do that is through holiness by being called into holiness. Now, I keep going. I, I'm, I'm bogging down. Galatians five thirteen. 5.13, Galatians 5.13 says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Hey, I like that. You know what that means? I mean, I've been set free from my sin. I've been set free from the penalty of my sin. I've been called unto liberty. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not scared I'm going to lose my salvation. I'm not. You know what I am scared of? I'm scared of this place of my Lord. But I'm not scared I'm going to lose my salvation. You see, I've been called unto liberty, but the Bible says, but, but only use not your liberty for the occasion of the flesh, but by love serve one another. <laughs> don't say, well, you know what? I'm saved. I can't go to hell, so why don't, why don't I just go and get drunk? So, 
I ain't going to hell. God ain't going to send me to hell getting drunk. I drink these beers this evening. I can get a buzz. I ain't going to hurt nothing. But if I do that, no, I, I, that's the truth. I won't, I won't go to hell. I'm, you know what? I might even, I might even get up, not even have a bad hangover. I, I might, even, I might even get up, go on the next day, and never take another drink. Everything be fine. But somebody might see me drinking, and that might be the reason why they go back to drinking. Or I might, somebody might see me drinking and say, well, you know what? I'll never step, I'll never darken the door of church. Somebody, somebody say they're Christians going to live like that. So the Bible tells me not to buy love serve one another, not to use, not, even though I'm calling the liberty, I'm not to use it like a battering ram just to pull it through this world and do whatever I want to do. I have callings on my life. you got a calling on your life. Every believer under the sound of my voice has a calling of God on their life. I'll even give you one more here. This is the best one of all, Romans 8, 28 and 29. I, I'm sure some of you know that by, by heart. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. That's every believer, ain't it? To them who are called according to his purpose. So every single believer is called according to the purpose of God. You say, well, what is his purpose? I'm glad you asked. Verse 29 answers that. He said, for whom he did foreknow, here's his plan, he also did predestinate to be conformed into the image of his Son. So God has called us to change through the process of sanctification, being set apart to God daily into the image of Jesus Christ. We are to be, you say, well, I'll never be like Jesus, but you can advance in that direction. You can keep moving in that direction. You can keep making changes in your life. You won't ever get there, but I can get a whole lot different person than you were when you first got saved. By the time they put you in that box, you will be a different person because the Lord will make a change in you. Amen. What change are we talking about? He, listen, he said, for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. For what reason? That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. What does that mean? That means I got saved. But I'm 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 a child of God now. I got born into the family of God. That means I'm the oldest, firstborn. That's the oldest. That means okay, I got saved. So now I, I gotta bring in some brothers and sisters younger than me. That means I need to be a soul winner. That means I need to be a witness to other people. So that if, if I'm doing the call if I'm following the calling that God has put on my life, then my job is not to try to uh, be important. My job is not to try to, to to look important, sound important, or, or, or try to be a big shot, big wheel, anything like that. My job is to bring younger brothers and sisters into the family of God, and that's it. That's what God said. Call me by. That's the purpose he calls you by. That's our purpose. And you might think, well, God would never use somebody like me. You know, you don't know what, I mean, the past I have, or I ain't got no time any education. I mean, you call excuse. Anybody find an excuse to look hard enough. I look at what Paul said, First Timothy 1, 12 and 13. He said, I thank Jesus Christ, our Lord, who hath enabled me. Paul said that. Paul said, he enabled me. I, I couldn't do it. It was God did it. God's the one who did it. Giving God the glory. You know, another time, he's talking about I was, I was born in the eighth age, like Israel, Pentecostal, Mel, all these things he did. I mean, he was Hebrew, Hebrew, all that stuff. But he's most what he says about that. 
said, I, I, that couldn't help me. He wasn't Hand. 
Paul had an eyesight problem, and so he had, I'm sure possibly he sat there and Paul was telling him these things, he'd write it out, transcribing it for him. Verse 2, and unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our, our Lord, both theirs and ours, unto the church of God. The church is the body of Christ, right? The church is the body of Christ. So when did the church start? Anybody know? You get varying opinions on that. Some, <laughs> some people say it started at Calvary. Some people say it started at Pentecost. Some people say it started with Paul. But the church is the bride of Christ, right? The Bible tells us that. So how many brides does Jesus have? Right, he has one. And it's called the church of God. Now, that doesn't mean he's talking about the denomination that's in Cleveland, Tennessee. Okay? That is a denomination called the church of God. But if we look at the scriptures, we'll see that the scriptures address, uh, talk about the church of God. Acts twenty twenty eight. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock, over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. So he purchased the church of God with his own blood. That would make every believer that purchased with his own blood a part of that church of God, would it not? Corinthians ten thirty two. it says, Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Okay? Here he divides the world into three groups. He's got the Jews, the Gentiles, and the church of God. When a Gentile got saved, he became a part of the church of God. When a Jew got saved, he became a part of the church of God. Second Corinthians fifteen seven. I re- quoted it earlier. It says, if any man be in Christ, a new creature. He's not what he was before. So when somebody's still a Jew, right? he's, now he's part of the church of God. He's a Christian. All right? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So again, we don't look at it like, well, I'm, I'm still a Gentile. No, I'm part of the church of God. <laughs> but I used to be a Gentile. But what, again, he said, I, he said in, uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 9, it says, Paul said, for I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle. Why? Because I persecuted the church of God. So what church is he referring to? He's referring to the time right after the resurrection, right? Between that time and the, the, the experience he had on the road to Damascus. Were there any Gentiles involved at that time in the church? No, they weren't. There weren't any Gentiles really involved until until on over into Acts. So, what church is he talking to? He's talking to the church that existed back when 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 Stephen was still alive. He's talking about the church that existed. James was still alive. Listen, that's the church he's referring to. That's the one he persecuted. He persecuted. That church. He was trying to have them arrested. He had Stephen. He had Stephen killed. He held. Well, he held a coat while Stephen was killed. He didn't have him killed, but he was he was consenting to it. So he's referring to the, to the church of God that existed before there was ever a Gentile believer in it. So it's the same church, regardless of the transition that takes place in Acts. 
So we need to remember that. God revealed the mystery of the body of Christ to Paul. Galatians 3, 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen. We come into the family of God, we are all one in him. Verse 3. He said, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. When you get God's grace in your life, it'll give you peace. Amen. And and if you understand God's grace, it gives you peace. But those who frustrate God's grace, they don't have peace. They're always trying to they're always trying to find a crack in it. They're always trying to find a hole in it somewhere. Paul said in Galatians 2.21, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. He said in Romans, he said, and if it be of grace, then it's no more of work. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of work, then is it no more of grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. You can't mix the two. They just don't blend at all. It's oil and water. They just will not mix together. Verse 4. He said, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given me, given you by Christ Jesus. I'm going to say one thing about Paul. Paul was a genuine man. He was genuine. He told you something he meant it. He wasn't just blowing smoke or tickling ears. Uh, and, and that's evident because he didn't just thank God for them. In Philippians 1, 3, and 4, he says to the Philippian church, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests of joy to the church at Ephesus in verse one, chapter chapter one, verse fifteen and sixteen. He says, "Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and love unto all the saints, cease to not give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers to the church at Colossae." He said, "He said we give thanks to God, to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you." since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints. And the church at Thessalonica in verse 2, chapter 1 and 3, he says, we give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. So Paul was, when he, when he, when he, when he said he's thanking God, he wasn't just lip service. Well, like a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you. And if they get things, they walk away. Paul was serious, and, 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 and he realized the importance of prayer, the effectiveness of prayer, the power of prayer. Verse 6. I'm sorry, verse 5. Let's look at verse 5 and 6. Because <clears throat> he said, I thank God for you. He, says, he, he said that in everything you're enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge. So he's talking about them growing in the Lord. He said, "The more he, he said, in everything you're enriched by Him, in all utterance, the things that we speak, and in all knowledge. In other words, the more we learn about Jesus, the more the more we get from Him, the more we dig out of the Scriptures, the more we want to talk about Jesus, and the more we want to learn. He wants our appetite for more. We sing that song, more about Jesus, but I know more of His grace to others show. We, it, again." You won't ever get tired of learning about the Lord. You won't ever get tired of getting more about Jesus. And, and he said, he went on to say, verse 6, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. In other words, we, he's, he's saying you're, 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 he said you're growing and learning. He said, listen, that, that's proof that you're saved. Amen? 
and, and the, the testimony was confirmed in you. Verse 7, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That you come behind in no gift. Now, what is he speaking of there? So that you come behind in no gift, waiting for, our Lord, for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that you may be blameless at the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to read both those verses. Again, there's, they go together there. He's speaking about an event here. It's not spelled out, but it's there. He's talking about a gift. Even if you come behind and no gift. So when are you going to have a gift? We stand before him at the what? The judgment seat of Christ. Where does that judgment seat occur? That judgment seat occurs somewhere between the rapture of the church and the second coming of the church. All right, during the during the time that we're in heaven while all the hell's breaking loose down here on earth. Okay? So let's let's look at let's look at the place where it talks about that real quick. Romans fourteen, I'm almost done. Romans fourteen, verse ten through twelve. Romans talks about the judgment seat of Christ. It says, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? In other words, why are we going out like we're the like we're the fruit inspectors figuring out what everybody else is doing? He said, For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Every believer is going to stand before Christ at that judgment seat. And at that judgment seat, our sins will not be judged. It is our works that we did for Christ alone that will be judged there. It's it's a it's a reckoning of as far as reward He says, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. That's going to be a scary time. Scary because we're afraid of going to hell. Because I, look, I, I can't go to hell. My, the blood has washed me clean. I, I'm as white as snow in God's eyes. But the time that I've spent since I've been saved, there's going to be an account reckoning. We're going to, we're going to, we're going. To, God's going to get the books out, and He's going to look and say, "Well, on this day you did this, and you said it was for me, but you took the credit." You don't get that. That's gone. But here you did this, but they gave you an award and crap for you, and you had a little pride in your heart. You don't get that. Oh, but this one, I see where you listen. God's going. It's going to be like I don't know how it's going to be exactly, but it's going. He's going to. He's going to. In the end, he's going to come down to. This is what you're left with. This is what your life amounted to for Christ. This is the end result of your life. Second Thessalonians, I mean, sorry, Second Corinthians five, verses ten and eleven speaks about it. It says, "For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body." Right now, the things that we're doing on a daily basis, the things we're doing for Christ, or the things we're not doing for Christ, those things are being accounted right now, according to that He hath done, whether it be good or bad. It doesn't say sinful or not is good or bad. I can live a day, a good day, in my eyes, where I do good things, 
for somebody. And then and, and, and I, I could do this. I didn't do it in Jesus' name. I just did it because I was doing something good for somebody, and I'm feeling good about it. I'm good. I am today. You know, I won't get over. I won't get over. Lord, for that. God ain't gonna give me no. Listen, if I wasn't doing it, it's gonna be a blessing to somebody else. The Lord, thank God, ain't gonna award me for that. There's a lot of days where we do things, and we never think about Jesus while we're doing them. There's a lot of times we do things. But we're not who we used to be. We're not who we used to be. We are different. We've been changed. We're to think of things in terms of eternity. And this book, what this book is going to show is that we must look at everything through the lens of eternity. That's what we'll learn what we've done in this book. That the temporary, the now, the nasty now and now is not important. And that's what Paul is trying to get at. That that eternity is what's important. It's not right now. And he says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. That's what the scripture says right there. The terror of the Lord. That's knee knocking, shaking all of down your spine. When you stand eyeball to eyeball with Jesus Christ and you come to reckon what you did for him. You say, but he's, he's my Lord and Savior. Yes, but he's also your judge. And in that moment, listen, I'm th- I'd be thankful to be saved in that moment. I can tell you that. I'll be grateful my sins have been forgiven, but I want to have something to show for my time here on earth. I want to have some reward for my Lord. I want to have something to bless him with. I want to have something to give him glory with. That's what it's for. It's for it's, this is how much glory I believe he deserves. Let that sink in. However much you bring is how much you really thought with your life he deserved. Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, Paul says, we persuade men. Listen, we tell them, you need to, you need to be busy for the Lord. He said, but we are made manifest unto God. God knows. And I trust also are made manifest in your consciousness. Paul said, I hope you know and I'm a servant of the Lord. Amen. That's what's important, that we are servants of the Lord. And then 1 Corinthians, I'm almost done. I'm wrapping it up. Verses 10, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. Paul says, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me, as a wise master builder. You see, I'm working on a building. That's an old, old gospel song. I'm working on a building for my Lord, for my Lord. Amen. It's a Holy Ghost building. Paul's working on a building. He said, I'm a master builder, a wise master builder. He said, I've laid the foundation, and another buildeth their own. So I, I poured the foundation of salvation by grace through faith, and I shared Jesus with somebody else, and they come along, and they build on that foundation. He said, but let every man take heed or pay attention to how he builds their own. You can't just build it however you want to. I, I, I've seen, I, I, grew up, I grew up in the south. I mean, I grew up down here, down here in, in, in south Arkansas. There's a lot of poor folks live down in there. They some right along the 82 Highway, as you're coming into Louisville, Arkansas, there used to be some houses there that was basically tar paper. And tar paper, the old house, my grandparents' house was that way years ago. They used to put like shingles on the side of the house. That's what they looked like. And them, them houses, they were so worn down. And there's people still living in them when I was a kid. And I mean, it's basically just tar paper shacks. 
And you can build a house like that, but it don't last long. It ain't worth much. Or you can build it right, and it can be a thing of beauty, and it can be a lasting thing. Listen, it depends. Some people build a life that don't amount to much. Their life basically like a pup tent. They ain't building nothing. They're just trying to get through this thing and get home. That's all. There's some who really invest, and they build something beautiful for the Lord Jesus Christ to live in. He said, for, no, for other foundation can no man lay than it is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, and he gives the building requirement of the materials, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. It will all be laid bare, for the day shall declare it. That will be the only reason why we're there that day. That's the only reason we'll stand before Jesus that day is for our works to be judged. Because it shall be revealed by fire, the Bible says God is a consuming fire, and the fire of God is going to try the works that we've done to see what sort it is. And if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, shall himself receive a reward. And the Lord will say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over, over, over little internet like the rest. And he'll have much for us. But if any man's work shall be found, God's not going to be mean to us. God's not going to say, well, I don't like your work, so whoo. No, if our works are not of any value, they will burn. Fire of God is not going to mistreat anybody. Fire of God is going to prove That's what it's a proving fire. It's a, it's a testing fire. It's just like when a, when a jeweler puts, puts uh, raw materials into the kiln. Not everything in there is worthy of being used. Some of it's going to rise from the surface as dross and trash and has to be skimmed and thrown away because it's not worthy of being used. And the things that are burned up are the things that are not worth being used. They're not worthy of heaven's glory. They're not worthy of glorifying our Savior. They're worthless. It's things that we do to glorify ourselves. Anything that glorifies us is not worthy of glorifying our Savior. It'll be gone. It'll be, it'll be gone. But he himself, the Bible says, should be saved. Yet so as by fire, as if you escape from a burning house, and all you got out with is your life. And you get to go to heaven, and you get to be with Jesus, and you'll praise him forever. But heaven won't be as sweet, I don't think, as the one who had armloads of treasure to lay down at Jesus' feet. And I think we'll we'll have to deal with that for quite some time. I think, I, I can't tell you this for sure, but I, I have a feeling we've been, been aggrieved for a period of time over that. And you say, where do you get that? I, I get that where the Bible says and the Lord shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. I don't think it's just the loss of those on earth. I think it's the loss of, of reward in heaven that we didn't get to. Verse 8, and I'm finishing, it says, Who shall also confirm you in the end? The Bible talking about the Lord Jesus. He'll confirm us in the end that we may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Even whether you've got armloads of reward or whether you don't have armloads of reward, you're still called of God. You're still called to be saints. You're still called still called into the family of God. So Christ, he won't turn his back on us now. No, he'll confirm us. He's one of mine. If she's one of mine, he's one of mine. And we'll stand before God blameless. Blameless, 
make the most of the time that we have. We need to invest ourselves. We need to make the most of every opportunity that we're given by our Savior so that when we go home to see our Savior, we'll not live up there with any regret. Let's stand together. We're going to sing a song of invitation. We're going to sing 157. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Thank <laughs> you. 